This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome, everyone. This is the Meaningful Sport Podcast, and I am your host, Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of Meaningful Sport. This is a very special episode for me with a physical education teacher and a coach who I got to know last winter. In the past few months, I have learned about a completely different way of thinking about and doing physical education, which connects to so many themes that we have been discussing in this podcast over the last year. To now introduce my guest, Jim Hart has a long career in coaching and physical education. Very recently, he has retired from being a PE teacher at Cypress Woods Elementary School, which is located in Florida, US. And since we are having this conversation soon after he has retired, and this is such an important life transition, I'm also looking forward to hearing his thoughts on the meaning that he has found from his long career working with young people in sports and physical education. Welcome to the podcast, Jim, and such a pleasure for me to have this conversation with you today. Thank you so much, Nora. It's so great to be with you today. And just to add that it's six in the morning for you, so you've made great effort to join me for this discussion, and I really appreciate that a lot. Oh, thank you. I'm just really grateful that you would have me on this program and those beautiful words. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And we had some conversations, just like I said, over the last few months and messages back and forth. And I really had the pleasure also to witness some of the work you were doing with the, with your students via a Teams call. And I thought that was just something that technology now allows us that I can be present in your class. That's something amazing. We often talk about the bad sides of technology in terms of, you know, sitting on the computer way too much and those things, but it also helps us to connect. And I think that is really wonderful. And just to jump on from that, you told me that this was your last year working as a PE teacher and and the school year has been completed and now some weeks have gone. So maybe just share these thoughts on finishing this very long career and how do you feel about all this, just this moment right now? Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I love it. Uh, I've been so grateful to have been able to make a career out of doing this. I look back this moment and feel like I've never gone to work a day in my life. And I, I really mean that. I've, I've loved every minute of teaching and coaching. I, I guess you can say, sure, there have been minutes or moments here and there that have been challenging or trying. But for the most part, it's made me happy. It's made me fulfilled. And the reason that I say that, Nora, is I come to this PE and, and the mission that I've sort of been following as one that really isn't as much focused on physical education or the sports that I coach as much as the kids 
that are involved in them. And having come through being a, a child myself, I lost my father when I was eight years old to cancer. And that uh, that had an impact on me, a great impact on me. And it had a, what else had a great impact on me were teachers uh, that I encountered uh, after that, that, you know, didn't do anything in particular um, meaning or noteworthy. I can't even remember individual things that they did, but just certain ways that these teachers made me feel uh, as, as a result of being with them and confidences that they, that they can give and that they filled in. And uh, as I got older and grew up and tried to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, um, I thought, you know what, I want to do that. I want to be like some of those teachers that I encountered because there's certainly going to be more kids like me out there. And uh, sure enough, I've sort of used PE and coaching as a jumping off point to get into a lot of different things that are based on more fundamental principles that are meaningful for people that uh, sports and, um, and PE can lead us to. And I've sort of followed that way of thinking right on through to the end of my career. And I've, I feel as I stand here at this moment, like it's been good. I've done, I've done some good things. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. That's not what I'm saying. I, I've, I'm not saying I've been a great teacher. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is I think I've gotten close to the original reason I, I got into this in the first place from time to time. So I feel good. Yeah. I hear that you are connected to this sense of doing something that is much more than just getting people, young people to move more. So there has been this really this connection to something beyond and physical education and sport just being kind of a platform for doing things that are also so important beyond that. I'm wondering, just in terms of when you worked in this field for such a long time, certainly I would assume that also your thoughts and your ways of thinking have evolved in this journey. And maybe you have some reflections on maybe that kind of key shifts or new ideas that uh, have helped shape your work over the years that you find most meaningful or new insights that you found on the way. Yes. Yes, I, a couple of key shifts. One would be when I when I first got into this field in my first year, my first year coaching teams was 1977. My first year teaching in a school was 1981. So at that point in time, here where I work, there was a, a sort of a vision of what a coach is, and that coach is a sort of a domineering figure uh, who is one that is going to push the children or the players and squeeze the the most effort out of them as a result of how hard the coach pushed and the pushing of the kids was uh, was a sign of how much the coach loved the kids and cared about the kids otherwise they wouldn't push them and that sort of a thing so coach was a domineering figure uh, who really who really demanded a lot and uh, and got a lot, and not and did it in a way, not in a bad way, in a way of love, but it was really coach centered. Uh, and um, a, a shift has been sort of away from that, and a, and toward more toward uh, the coach being a facilitator, and um, you know allowing the children 
bringing the children along rather than pushing them, bringing them, take almost taking them by the hand and showing them what they're capable of and, and uh, what possibilities exist for them. Sure, there's some pushing as well, but, but it's different. It's, um, it's just a different approach. The, the person that finished my career is a lot different than the person that started my career. It just in terms of approach, another uh, another shift has been one involving technology um, and the use of it. I'm not a technical wizard by any means, um, but uh, uh, there was um, there was there were some moments in my teaching career. One particularly stands out. I ran across an individual named Pat Logan who was highly influential in my in my teaching and my coaching style and I worked with him early in my career uh, at a school a shift uh, one shift a particularly meaningful shift happened at a faculty meeting that I was at it was maybe 10 years into my teaching this this colleague Pat Logan he used music as part of a, a presentation at a faculty meeting now I'd been for 10 years in faculty meetings bored and uh, and not motivated. Uh, in these meetings, just trying to get through them. And suddenly I was in a meeting and I was engaged. I was alive and I'd never felt this way before. And it was because of the way Pat used music in this meeting. And that really stuck with me. And I, I tried it a little bit in some of my coaching. I tried to introduce music into pregame talks with soccer teams that I coached and things like that, but I just didn't really know what I was doing. So it was kind of hit and miss for a while, but then eventually I, I started using music a lot. And then that led to devices that project music better, iPad, uh, iPod, iTunes, all the different things that allow us to, to get into the world of music and bring it to kids and bring it into a classroom. And so this shift toward technology, and especially as pertains to music, has been a big, big thing. Again, the, the person that started off 40 years ago wouldn't recognize the person that, that finished 40 years later. The things that, that were being done in classes, the ways that classes were being run, you saw it, Nora. I'm so glad that you were able to join that one class. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. What, what we try to do is create a culture within our classes. And it's hard to explain what this culture is, but it is real. And the kids have a lot of say and a lot of involvement. And I don't know, I can't even put a finger on it, but I don't know if you noticed anything in it. And maybe I shouldn't even ask you that, but I'm just so glad you were there. Yeah, of course you can ask. I'm glad that we we have a dialogue. And and what I saw that day, so you were practicing for this perfect storm that was just some days away. Your big performance, which is something we discuss. A little bit later, but I did see that when all the children are moving along to that music and they have been practicing that thing for a long time, I saw that they were really carried away with that. That somehow I, I can recognize that and as watching that, and we were a few others and everybody else was a little bit moving along and taken into that same somehow shared flow of things and my one of my thoughts was that that type of way of doing things that it seemed to be something that was really inclusive of all the children who were in that classroom and that's one of my big questions actually that 
how how do you include all the all the young children who have a very different background and who have very different movement capabilities some of them have been encouraged or they are doing a lot of activity with their parents and some are not and based on what i've seen that day was that all of them seem to be getting something out of that and this was my sense of things but i mean you you worked with these children for a very long time and you know their backgrounds so i'm i'm curious about your thoughts on on that yes thank mm-hmm. you so this is uh i'm i'm so glad to hear you say these things um because this is my always my aim and my goal is to get to that place where everybody's involved and there's two things that you said there carried away and flow i noticed when i in our first interview when uh, you were gracious enough to talk to my online uh, pe kids you use that term carried away and that is something that I really I, that really resonated with me. I like to I like to create this world that we all go to together. Uh, and so you asked me how do we get to this place? One of the things that we like to do is that I like to do is create a vision or a theme. Every year we we do it with a theme. This past year, as you know, the theme was the twentieth kid. Past themes have been. It's not just the bricks, it's the mortar. That was our theme last year. It's not just the bricks, it's the mortar. It's what's in between the bricks that holds the bricks together. That's what's important. Previous themes have been the new kid at school. Uh, you know, in schools, there's always a new kid and who just got there. And so how do we treat the new kid? And, and how we treat the new kid t- tells us much more about ourselves than about the new kid. And uh, another theme before that was uh, something just randomly ran across this this scientist Daniel Bernoulli, uh, who inv- or who discovered the principle of lift, maybe I don't know two or three hundred years ago, and it was uh, it's a principle that ultimately led people to understand how to keep airplanes in the air. It's a principle of removing pressure from above something. Uh, air pressure from above something so that the air pressure from below pushes up and uh, and allows the the thing to lift. It's uh, it's just an interesting principle. This idea that if you remove pressure from above something, then positive pressures from below can push up. I, I, this is the way we took it into the kids. If we remove pressures from above, what are what might those pressures be? You know, negative ways kids talk to each other. You know, ways kids think about themselves that are not um, that are not positive. If we remove those, then they can be lifted. That was sort of our theme for the year: the uh, the principle of lift. Uh, so we so we get into these themes, and we've been doing this now for years, for many years. Anyway, the this theme gives us a place that we can all go to together. So it isn't that the goal is not, or the task is not for me to reach each child individually uh, and create an individual relationship with each individual child. The, the goal is for me to create a destination for us all to move to, toward together, a destination that's simple, easy to understand, that's inspiring to them, and that is uh, is a place that they want to go. 
and uh, a place that I want to go and that I show them that I want to go through my mannerisms, through my enthusiasm and so forth. And it's an inclusive place. It's a place that everybody's invited to. There's nobody's, nobody's not invited. In fact, if there's someone that is making others feel as though they aren't included, then, then everything stops and we deal with that then and there. And uh, so that that's taken care of. Well, what that does is it creates a feeling of safety within the group. And anybody, once that feeling of safety is there, anybody feels safe enough to come on board. And then you just observe the children. And if you see children holding back, then you can one-on-one talk to them or try to find out what their individual story is and eventually draw them out and get them on board. Sometimes kids come on board immediately. Sometimes it takes a little while, a little investigation, a few conversations, uh, you know, to develop that trust so that the child will get on board. They'll trust you and then they'll trust the environment. And sometimes you have to do the work as a teacher to, uh, to sort of pave the way within the environment to bring that reluctant child on board. Nora, I remember there's one child um, that came to us. She was new uh, at the school. I think she was in kindergarten, five years old. And she didn't say a word at class, not a single word. She would come down and stand still, not move, uh, just stand and not do anything for in the entire class. And, uh, and you could see that she was nervous and she was scared. And, and what we did was we let her be this way. And it took about three months, literally three months of her coming down to class and just standing there and doing nothing. Uh, but my way of thinking was something has happened with this girl that is in the way of her joining us. Now, you could see that she was paying attention, her eyes, her, you know, she was paying attention to what we were doing. She was just reluctant to join in. Well, one day, just out of the blue, all of a sudden, there she was joining in with everybody else. And so there it was. And I, and I would talk to her from time to time and just let her know, hey, listen, if you need to stand there, no problem. Whenever you're ready to join, the door's open. And sure enough, she ended up joining. She became one of our, our great leaders by the time she left in fifth grade. Um, you know, we would put her with young children that were reluctant because she was that child. She understood that. So this this building of a culture, uh, of a culture of giving back, uh, a culture of inclusiveness, um, a culture of fun. You you do this, Nora, with your with your podcast. You make me feel this way. Uh, talking with you at your podcast, you really do the same exact thing that I did for 40 years to sort of pave the way, clear the obstacles, set a vision that we're all moving toward. It's a vision bigger than us, bigger than me and the children. Uh, the 20th kid, who is the 20th kid? What is the 20th kid? What does that mean? You know, and just sort of, going on this journey together to discover that uh, idea because kids love stories. Kids love adventures. They want to be part of an adventure. They want to be part of something unique and something special. Kids love music, something different, something uh, that is just not the same thing that they see every day. And 
you know, and kids love to feel safe and they love it when there is a strong presence that ensures that everybody is going to be safe, that the, the strongest presence in the, in the classroom or in the school is not a bully or a, a negative presence because there's a presence that's stronger than that, that the kids know is going to be there uh, for them. And all of that is part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I have so many questions, so I'll I'll figure out where I want to start. I think one of the things, so you mentioned that every year you have such a big theme or a little bit like a storyline. That is something that you invite people to be part of a story and live through the story throughout that school year. Yes. And I think that is very different and innovative. I mean, earlier we've talked about like my own physical education experiences were a lot about today we do athletics and we are going to measure your high jump and long jump and 60 meter run and all these kinds of things. So that's the old school, you know, very sport-like physical education. But so you have this story and you are telling that story, inviting people to be part of the story. Maybe just share a little bit. What what are the practical things that you do during that year and, and where does it then lead? Okay. Well, the telling of the story, I'll go sort of into the last 12, 13 years of my career, which the story is, has led to the musical performance that you were referring to at the end of the year. That's So that's maybe a good way to describe it. The way we did story earlier in the career is a little different. But so what, um, what, what we don't do is we don't start out the year saying to the kids, um, all right, children, sit down and let me explain that we're all going on a story together. And here's the story. Now, let me tell you the story first, and then we'll all go into it together. We really don't do it that way. Uh, instead, um, what what I do is sort of think, think it out myself in the summertime uh, before school begins. Think out, okay, you know, what is the story going to be? And then um, the key in rolling the story out for us in the last 12 years or so is the music and the songs that are involved in telling the story. What the music that we select is very proactive and intentional to uh, use the lyrics of songs to, to help tell the story. And then the, the way we put the songs, to, songs together one after the other uh, tells the story as well. But we don't say to the kids, okay, now here's the first song and listen to the lyrics because it means this and this is going to be our story, okay? We don't really say that. We just, we present a lesson that is full of movement, full of music, full of challenging movement, challenging uh, steps or, you know, routines, whatever the case may be. And then the beginning part of it is just learn these steps, uh, see, I can do them. Here's this. Now, the, the selection of the music is really important. It has to be good music, timeless, fun, good music. And luckily, you know, throughout history, there's been a lot of that created. And one of the easy ways to do it, to know what those are, are just to go back and look at, you know, 
top 100 charts over the past 50 years if you know if 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 50 years ago the you know the entire world loved a song why wouldn't they today you know there, there's something about that song that caught people's attention so that so the music doesn't have to be up to date in fact i find the use of current music i think uh, i think you might think um well, we have to learn the music the kids like to listen to, and we have to use their music. But I think that comes off as inauthentic um, because that might be their music, but it's not my music, and they know it's not my music. So for me to select their music and try to teach them about their music doesn't work. They, they know more about that. When I say their music, I mean the music of the current day. They know more about their music than I know about their music. And so I'm going to lose authenticity if I, if I try to say, hey, you know, did you hear on the radio yesterday this song that was, you know, blah, 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 whatever. I, uh, I, I, so I don't do that. What I do is I, I stick with things that I know. I stick with music that I know. I stick with songs that I've resonated with in my lifetime. And that, that have meaning to me. And if they have meaning to me, then I know that I can project that meaning to them because I truly believe it. It's not the next thing on the, uh, it's not the next lesson on the curriculum. It's something that's part of me. And so, uh, so I, I select a song, I pick out a routine, uh, that involves movement that's at the same time challenging, but, yet simple enough that everyone can do it, which is uh, tricky, you know, because you go on, what I do is I go online and I, I, once I select some songs that I like, I go online and I look for people or things online that, you know, that experts are doing routines to, you know, like dance troops or whatever the case may be. Uh, and I watch them doing their movements to this song that I've selected, knowing that I can't do any of that because I'm not a dancer. But what I do is I look for little moments, you know, little four beat or eight beat pockets where I can say, okay, we could do that. We could do that eight beat movement. So I'll pull that out and then I'll find another one, pull that out, find another one, pull that out. So now it's almost like I've got about six or seven pieces that I know I can do and I know they can do. I know my kids can do. And then I'll just put those eight beat moments together and create our own routine of things that I didn't really invent because I'm not a choreographer. Someone else did, but I saw it and I know that I can copy it. And then my, my, the only invention that I did is the way that I you know, I pulled this piece and that piece out and, and cobbled them together to create a routine that I know my kids can do, but at the same time is still challenging. It isn't, you know, just clap your hands, you know, stomp your feet. It's, there's movement involved. There's turning, there's stillness suddenly, or, you know, there's something that, that, uh, that they'll like to do that they'll look at and they'll go, oh, that's cool. Let's do that. That's fun. Look at coaches doing that. That looks like fun. Let's, let's all do that. So, you know, you have to pick something that you know they're going to like. And so what I do is I pick the songs ahead of time. 
I go in, I, f- I look for movements that I know they can do. And I put these routines together and then I'll stand in front of them before they've seen any of this. And I'll, I'll bring them in, I'll sit them down and I'll say, watch, watch this. And I'll turn the music on and I'll do the whole routine myself. And they'll just be watching it. And they'll be, and they'll be like, wow, that's cool because it's cool because it's something they've never seen before. And the reason they've never seen it before is because this is something new in the sense that no one's ever put these particular moves in this particular order to this particular song. No one's ever done that particular thing before. So it's brand new. It's something that they can do. And plus, if I can do it, then they can do it. And, and what I always say to them is, you know, if, if, you know, I'm, I've got four grandchildren. If I can do this, I know you can do it. And, and so then, then we go about to learning those, those routines. One, uh, you know, one, uh, sort of eight beat sequence at a time. And then we just do it over and over again. This is where we use a lot of the old school PE principles of repetition. And, uh, and, and in the, in the learning of these routines, that's when I revert back to my earlier self as a teacher and as a coach. Earlier in my career, winning was really important to me. Uh, and the way that you win is you get better and you repeat and you, you know, you do the things that you have to do to win. And a lot of that involves repetition and practice. And um, so in the learning of these routines, uh, we would go into that mode and take eight beats at a time, go over, 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 do it mm-hmm. again, do it again. Training do it again. and repeating, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. training. Mm-hmm. But but now what we're doing is, the, the, the thing is, we're using a tried and true principle of training and repeating, but on something that is really exciting to them. You know, if, if I, the, the problem with uh, your, you know, as you described your growing up, how, uh, how it was for you with athletics and, and so forth, and how, how it is for a lot of people is that the, the kids aren't interested enough in the activity to put in the work needed to get good at it. If, if I don't like, for instance, if I was a child and, and you know, the, uh, the focus was, let's just say, hockey or, or anything, just pick a, pick a subject, anything. It doesn't matter what it is, but it's something I didn't like. I just don't like doing. Well, I'm not going to be excited to do the repetition needed to get good at it. I'm just not going to, I'm not, my heart's not going to be in it. I'm not going to be there for it. Uh, and so I'll never get good at it. And I'll wonder why this coach is so upset with me because I'm not there with this coach. This coach loves it, but I don't, you know? So what I, what I, what I like to do is I, I think I, I, I like to find music and something so unique and different that it overcomes that. And there are certainly kids that are going to say, well, I don't want to get up and move like he's doing, but not many, not many, Nora. And, and, and at the end of the day, none, all of them like to get up and move every single one of them, the, the reluctant ones, they're not reluctant because they don't like it. They're reluctant because they're not confident in themselves. 
And uh, so when you when you overcome that lack of confidence, uh, then okay, they can open up. And a lot of getting to getting past that lack of confidence is creating the culture within the kids, a culture of openness, a culture of safety. So constantly working on the culture is is a big part of it. Anyway, getting back to what we were saying before, so we teach the routines and we continue we continue to do a song until the kids can do the entire song pretty well, you know, and then they feel good about themselves. And you use the word flow and you know how difficult a thing flow is to explain, you know, but it's definitely real. It's a feeling and you can explain it scientifically a lot better than I can. But when you get to that point, you know, and the kids know that you've gone somewhere together and they can't really explain it but it's real and they can't wait to get back and do it again. So you, you can't get to that place if you're not doing something that's a bit challenging. If you're just, you stand there and clap your hands every eighth beat, you clap one time. Well, that's not challenging enough to get us all into flow. It, it could be if there's other things that, you know, that bring the kids along. But so part of the, part of the thing is movement that is challenging, but doable movement that is and you know nora you you've seen in our routines how there are moments in our routines when everybody sits down and only a few people do something so every part of the performance doesn't have to be something that everybody can do okay one of one of the things this simple lesson a coach taught me once is the lesson about piano players and piano movers you can't have a concert without both the movers of the piano and the player of the piano. And each of them is essential for the, for the concert to happen. Yet it is the piano player that everybody will focus on, but the, because everybody will want the autograph of the piano player and uh, you know the, the, the articles will be written in the newspaper about the piano player. But without the piano movers, there was no concert without the people that got that piano up on stage. And this is an idea kids resonate with. They love this idea. I helped move that piano. I'm part of that. And so when you see all of the kids sitting down during the performances while one or two kids does something unique, like backflips or something that most of the kids can't do, well, this is the kids saying, see, I can't play the piano like that. Only they can play it like that. But I moved it there, but I put it up there. I'm part of this, you know, and then you, and you, so that idea is, is a big part of it as well. But yeah. And again, everybody is part of the story. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thanks for joining us this week on physical activity research through podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be great help for us we have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes so be sure to tune in thank you all for your support and have a great day